Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Good morning, church. When I say the word gentle or gentleness, what things come to your mind? One of the things I remembered comes from 30 years ago when we had a young family and and I had two girls and then a boy. Boys are different. (laughs) And when our boy was between the age of one and two, he was probably like most other boys. He was a busy little man, he was always on the go and to sit on my knee was sometimes a bit of a battle. And I remember my innate response to that was to take his hand in mine and put it on my cheek and say, soft, gentle. And then I would do it on his cheek, soft, gentle. Because I wanted to teach him that it was a good thing to treat your mum with care and your sisters, but it's actually quite a good life skill to have to treat people gently. And I was reminded of this more recently when I was nursing my grandson now, who's between the age of one and two, and he's very similar. And I took his hand and just did the same thing without even thinking about it. Soft, gentle, soft, gentle. And he looked at me with his big, serious eyes, and I smiled at him, and he grinned, and off he ran. (laughs) Soft, gentle. He was happy then, but I think he got the message that I was trying to convey to him. It's one of my memories of gentleness. I thought also of the lady Corrie ten Boom. A lot of you will be familiar with her story. She has a book called The Hiding Place, which is a really good read. Corrie ten Boom was a prisoner in the prisoner of war camps in the Nazi concentration camps, and she lived there in abominable and appalling conditions and was really severely maltreated and abused, as they all were. And she amazingly survived that time and went on then to speak of God's grace and love and forgiveness to meetings such as this. And at one meeting, she had a man come forward towards the end of the meeting and she recognised him as being one of the prison officers that had mistreated her. Imagine what went through her head. And he came forward and said to her, isn't it amazing that our God loves us and that he forgives us? And she tells of how she wanted to put out her hand, but she couldn't, and it was a real battle for her, but she put out her hand, and when she touched his hand, the love of God flowed through her and to him, and she was able to speak love and forgiveness to him, and she was set free, and so too, I'm sure, he was too. But that's gentleness in decision-making, in thinking about others. And then there's gentleness in action. This is a little story about a walnut. A guide was taking a group of visitors through a factory. One of the things he showed them was a giant steam hammer that was capable of flattening cars. That's what its purpose was. The guide took a walnut and he put it in the press and had the hammer come down until it broke the shell of the walnut, but it didn't break the nut inside. Power under perfect control, strength 
under control. That's another definition of gentleness. Gentleness in touch, in tone of voice, in our demeanour, in our actions, in our decisions. But for me, the greatest place that I've ever found gentleness in my life is in the presence of God. And for me, that comes when we stand in worship, whether it's in church, at home, in music, in the car. Music is a great tool for me. And when I sense the presence of God, it's like the best place to be. And nothing else matters. And there's that total acceptance from God and that purity from him. And it's just a beautiful place to be. And I don't want to be anywhere else. And I know that when I sit in the presence of God like that, that God does things. Most of the time I haven't got words to explain what it is that he does and I couldn't even tell you, but I know that it's God and I know that it's good. It's a beautiful place. And I know that it brings change in me, also in ways that I'm not able to explain often. But when we're in the presence of God, like Jared said, things change. There's a story about Elijah in 1 Kings 19, and we're not going to look at the scripture, but the very short brief of it is that Elijah was a strong and powerful prophet in the Old Testament times. And in this particular chapter, he had just experienced two really miraculous and powerful miracles with his God, by his God, for his God. And he had, had upset the leadership of the country and the resident queen had sent him a note to say that she was after him for his life. And so he fled. The chapters go on to explain where he went, what he did and all the rest. And it came to the end of the story when he had finished running. He was on his own in a cave. He was still and he was ready to listen. And God said to him, what are you doing, Elijah? And he poured out his heart to God and told him what had all happened. And God said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He was being invited into a really special encounter with God. And it goes on to tell how then there was a great and powerful wind, but God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake and God was not in the earthquake. There was a fire and God was not in the fire. And then there was a gentle whisper and Elijah recognised God's voice in that. I love that, the gentle whisper. God, was, God can be and God is great, big, powerful, miraculous and he is also in the quiet and the gentle whisper when we are ready to listen to him. As we've worked through this series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, every week I hear in my head how we're talking about opposite things, things that are contrasting. And this week is the same. In Proverbs 15:1, there's a verse that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Wrath, anger, violence, harshness are all the opposite of gentleness. And it's like God gives us an instruction to respond with the opposite response in the opposite spirit to the harsh things that we face in our world and that as we respond in that way with him in his power with his goodness change happens in that situation 
Think of Corrie ten Boom again when she met that man and instantly she was back in that concentration camp in her mind and the hatred, abuse and all the things we can't even say flood back to her spirit and she was called by God to respond with love, to respond with gentleness. It was a battle, it wasn't easy, but she did it. And because of that, God's love was able to flow into that situation and bring about change and bring about release and healing for both of them. It's a beautiful story. It's like a principle of spiritual warfare, to fight evil with good, to fight hatred with love, to fight harshness with gentleness. We've read this scripture that we read before, thank you, Narelle, for six weeks now. And this week I've seen something in it that I've never seen before. And I love how God does that. I've been thinking about these opposite things for weeks and it's right here and I hadn't really seen it. Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's the opposite, the flesh and the spirit life within us. There's a well-known prayer, the prayer of St Francis, that expresses these opposites really well. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me bring love. Where there's offence, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there's doubt, let me bring faith. Where there's despair, let me bring hope. Where there's darkness, let me bring your light. Where there's sadness, let me bring joy. Notice the fruits of the spirit that are down there on the right hand side. Peace, love, hope, joy. And it's like St Francis is praying to God that he would be a vessel of God's goodness, that God's goodness would flow through him into all the difficult situations and all the things of God's goodness would be able to take action in those things where he expressed God's love. He goes on to say, O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand and to be loved as to love and there's a, a prayer for humility in there that we think not just of ourselves that we put down our own self our will our desires and we ask God to give him to give us his eyes to see others and to care more about them to care more about meeting their needs than our own for it is in giving that one receives it's in self-forgetting that one finds in pardoning that one is pardoned and it's in dying that one is raised to eternal life and this is the beautiful grace of God that as we care for others as we give out God's love God's gentleness God's joy to others that we ourselves are blessed that's the grace of God it can very easily though be our first response to respond to hatred with hatred if someone's angry with you, 
don't you immediately feel angry back? That's our human nature, because we were all born into this broken and sinful world. But when we become Christians and ask Jesus to be in our heart, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence there. And he empowers us, he leads and guides us, he enables us to choose God. And when we choose God, we are then empowered with his goodness in that situation. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that I've got this sorted out by a long stretch, but our human nature battles against our spirit nature all the time. That reading said we are in conflict with each other. It's like our human nature battles what the spirit wants. And it comes again and again. We are tested often. Satan doesn't give up easily. But that's when the fruit of the spirit grows in us. Jared said last week, if we ask for patience, we don't just get patience given to us. What we often get is a set of circumstances where we are required to exercise patience and choose patience. And often it goes on for a very long time because patience is part of enduring. So as we are tested, the fruit grows. The fruit grows. It isn't just there. The fruit grows within us. And when the fruit grows, this is how we find the power of God to live in us and to enable us and continue to grow. Because you see, God is the fruits of the Spirit. He is all these things we've been learning about. And if we want to become those things, we want to become like him. And so we need to look at him. When we look at God, when we worship him, we become like him. When we sit in his presence, he changes us. He alters what's going on in us. When we read his word, when we fellowship together, when we look at God, we become like him. So in the word, I found a verse in Matthew eleven twenty nine, which talks about the character of Jesus. And Jesus is like God. So looking at Jesus, this is his character. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's like Jesus inviting us to get in harness with him, to allow him to carry our burdens, to allow him to strengthen us, and then we become gentle and humble as he is, and we will find rest for our souls. And don't we need rest for our souls? As I looked at references about gentleness, I was struck by how often gentleness is coupled with humility. And this, again, does make sense when I thought about it. When we put down our own agenda, our own wants, our own desires, and ask God to come and live in us, the power of God then comes in us and enables us to give out that goodness. When we first have humility, then we will have the fruits of the Spirit as well. Here's some verses that speak about what to do, how to use gentleness. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Three fruits in that verse. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and that's every one of you and me, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And I like that image of clothing yourself, putting on in the morning, putting on the love 
the gentleness, the grace of God, to remind us of who we are, that we are called and chosen children of God and that we can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit each day. Philippians 4.5 Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And about dealing with people, 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect and humility. Gentleness. I've thought of two images that really help me to think about the gentleness of God. And the first one is the image of a potter sitting at his wheel making something from that lump of clay that's put on the wheel. I've only had, I think, one attempt at trying to do this. It's very challenging. <laughs> but I learnt that the first most important thing is that you put the clay in the very centre of the wheel. If it's off centre, you have a lot of trouble keeping up with it and you usually end up starting again. So you put it in the centre. The potter uses his hands and very fine, gentle little movements to mould and shape what he is creating. He has in his mind what he's going to make with this piece of clay, what shape it needs to be, how it needs to function. And so with very gentle little movements, he brings about change in that pot as it swings around and round on the wheel. And this is like our Father God. He is the potter and we are the clay. And if we have our lives centred on Jesus Christ, God the Father then moulds and shapes us. He does this with great care because he has a purpose and intent for each one of us as he makes us on his potter's wheel. Little movements make a big change, but he shapes it into that vessel that he has purposed for his glory. And he does this very gently. And what I like to remember about the potter's wheel is that while God is working on us, whether it feels good or difficult or hard or full of love, it can be all of those things, He's actually holding us in his hands. Underneath are the everlasting arms and he is always holding us. The second image is that of Jesus as our shepherd. The shepherds in the Old Testament would take their sheep out each day and they would lead their flock out to pasture. They didn't chase them like we do with motorbikes and four-wheelers now, but he would lead the sheep out because the sheep knew his name. It amazes me to think about that, that the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. They wouldn't follow anyone else. They followed their shepherd. He took them out to food and water and bring, brought them back at night into the fold, which was a circular enclosure like this. The sheep would go in and the shepherd himself would lay across the opening to protect the sheep during the night, to keep them secure within the fold and to keep any predators from the outside. The heart of that shepherd was to care for his flock. He was a nurturer. He was a protector, a carer, a provider. I like the image that we often see in, in Bible storybooks too of Jesus with a lamb on his shoulder carrying the lamb. The lamb might be too small to walk where they need to go or it might be too difficult, a track. The lamb might be thirsty. The lamb might be... Um, hurt in some way and unable to walk. Jesus puts it on his shoulder and carries it. 
Let's look at Psalm 23. This is all about the shepherd and we know this psalm so well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And that's the nutshell of this psalm. If the Lord is our shepherd, we are not in want. He is everything that we need. He is our all in all. He is with us. He is for us. He walks behind us. He walks in front of us. He holds us in his hand. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Those verses speak peace and tranquility, serenity, restoration. It's like a worship space to me, just sitting, receiving, being with God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now just a minute, we've gone from peace and tranquility to the road of death. And every other thing that might be on that road for you, every trial, every tribulation, everything that's going on, every difficult situation, every relationship struggle that you have, anything that is really difficult and you say, God, this is just too hard. We will fear no evil for Jesus is with us. Wherever you are, God's got it. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. I remember in the pictures of the shepherd, they often had a crook, which was a piece of wood like a walking stick, but had the curved handle at the top. They would use that crook to guide their sheep, you know, put it around one of their legs, pull it backwards when it's going the wrong way, or use it to defend it from other things. This is Jesus, our shepherd. He's our protector, our leader and our guide. And it's worship in another sense. We don't often think of our struggles as being places of worship, but they are because this is when we choose God, we choose his strengths and we ask him to help us to be the goodness in this situation and that's worship in action. That's being God in the places that we encounter every day. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. We gather around a table every Sunday and this is the most significant table that we will ever gather around here on this earth where we celebrate what Jesus did, what he has done, what he is doing and what he is yet to do. We celebrate what he offers to us, the freedom that he has won for us. It's an abundance of what we have in Jesus. And we have anointing oil in this table too. The anointing that speaks of blessing, of being set apart, of being chosen as God's children, of being healed in Jesus because of what he's done. Such an abundance in that worship experience. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that will be our ultimate worship experience. It will be perfect it will be with God our Father, with Jesus our Saviour. A place that we look forward to, a place that gives us hope and strength as we live in the struggles of today. 
And we will know the gentleness of God. We will know the goodness of God because we will be in his, the fullness of his presence there. And we will be that also. Every week as we gather together, we offer prayer at the end of the service. We offer prayer for healing, for anointing, for struggles that you're going through, if your journey is difficult, if you want to celebrate the presence of Jesus, if you would like to encounter Jesus for the first time. Those things are all available to us again this week. And if you want to have a, an encounter with Jesus and experience the gentleness of his presence, please don't go and leave it today. Please join in. Thanks, Hannah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and that you are always good. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, that in every circumstance of life, we know that you are with us, that you walk before us, that you cover us from behind, that you dwell within us, that you hold us in your everlasting arms. Thank you, Father, that you love us, that you care for us, that you nurture and protect us. Thank you for your gentleness as you deal with us as your people. And Lord, as, you, as we go from this place today, we pray that your presence in our lives will be opportunities to share your goodness with others, that they may see you, that they may know you. We thank you, Father, for your loving and gentle care for us. And we pray in the name of Jesus, our shepherd, our saviour and our king. Amen.